Finding Home is a podcast series presented by the Irish American Archive Society. The Society is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to research, present, and preserve information about the history of the Irish in Cleveland. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy. Greetings. I'm Margaret Lynch of the Irish American Archives Society. Welcome to our podcast series, Finding Home. For several episodes, I've been talking about aspects of Cleveland's Irish community in the 1920s and 1930s. It was during that time frame that traditional Irish music and dance really came to the fore. As usual, I have to set the scene first. Music was part of Cleveland's first public celebration of St. Patrick's Day way back in 1842. The day's events consisted of Mass at St. Mary's on the Flats, a parade, and a banquet at the Ohio City Exchange Hotel. The Cleveland Herald newspaper gave a full account, even detailing the toasts, speeches, and songs presented at the banquet. Some of the musical numbers had an American flavor with titles like Washington's March and Yankee Doodle, but others were Irish, or at least Irish-American. They included airs titled St. Patrick's Day and the Sprig of Shillelagh. Music continued to feature prominently at Irish community events, as is true to this day. At an 1852 Hibernian Guard banquet, three songs were named. An American patriotic song titled Red, White, and Blue, a song based on an 1807 Thomas More poem titled The Harp That Once Through Terrace Halls, and a song called The Darling Old Stick. The latter was another shillelagh song. As described by a contemporary blogger, the shillelagh, or walking stick, becomes, and I quote, almost like the central character in this story of freewheeling escapade, romance, drunkenness, and manslaughter, end quote. According to the newspaper account of the 1852 banquet, the three songs were, quote, very spicily sung and increased everybody's good humor 20%, end quote. In the diaries that telegraph operator William Manning kept in the 1860s, the Manning cousins are noted as playing piano and fiddle at family gatherings. They played American songs as well as Irish reels and jigs. Skilled musicians undoubtedly lived in Cleveland in those early decades, but they're difficult to track. A contemporary traditional musician and promoter, Brian Holleran, recently called my attention to a Cleveland musician mentioned in the famed 1903 collection O'Neill's Music of Ireland. The compiler, Francis O'Neill, identified a Cleveland flute player named Michael White as a peer of Chicago fiddle player John McFadden. O'Neill claimed that White, who, quote, was born at or near Tralee, County Kerry, was also a fine singer and dancer, and it can be well imagined that the public house which he kept was well patronized by lovers of Irish music, end quote. If it weren't for O'Neill, Michael White's identity as a musician would have been lost. White is scarcely mentioned in The Plain Dealer. He can be found playing the fife at a political rally in 1876 and serving on the reception committee for a land league lecture in 1881. Neither newspaper item speaks to his lively talents. But perhaps it was Michael White playing at the jig and reel platform mentioned in The Plain Dealer account of an 1882 land league picnic. Irish music and dance, along with Gaelic sports, featured more prominently in accounts of the summer picnics of the 1920s. 
The immigrants of the 1920s were the first generation to experience the full impact of the late 19th century revival of interest in the Irish language and traditional Irish culture, including folklore, sports, music, and dance. The so-called Gaelic, or sometimes called Celtic, revival of the 1890s helped to further the cause of Irish independence by fostering national pride. The Irish immigrants of the 1920s were more likely than earlier generations to have grown up playing Gaelic football or knowing a few traditional Irish dance steps. Irish Americans who grew up in Cleveland in the 1910s and 1920s were more likely to want to learn American-style hoofing or tap dancing. Many dreamed, as boxer Johnny Kilbane did, of the vaudeville stage. Cleveland Irish dancing teacher Sheila Murphy Crawford had two great uncles who left Cleveland to become vaudeville hoofers. The American and Irish dance worlds collided in a newspaper account of the 1925 summer picnic in Cleveland. Mentioning an Irish tenor and jigging contest, the plain dealer also reported, and I quote, There will be Gaelic dancing and a prize for the most quaint and characteristic Gaelic costume, end quote but the accompanying photograph featured a young girl named Grace McGinty dressed as a showman's version of an Irish vaudeville hoofer with shamrocks on her hat, a satin waistcoat and bow tie, and a shillelagh in hand. In 1928, the picnic was said to involve, and I quote, group singing of old Irish melodies, folk dances, and special music, end quote. The same girl, Grace McGinty, 11 now, was scheduled to present a group of Irish dances at the picnic that year. The reporter added, and I quote, Grace will sail next Wednesday for Europe and will dance at the Terratine Games in Dublin on August 11th, end quote. Whether there was organized Irish dance instruction in Cleveland in the 1920s, there were people here who knew traditional dances. The American Association for the Recognition of the Irish Republic was able to field enough dancers to present an eight-person Cayley or group dance as part of a folk dancing display at the Theater of Nations in 1929 or 1930. In March 1931, two young women, Mary Catherine McNally and Mary McCafferty, were pictured in The Plain Dealer. They were said to be, and I quote, among the Cleveland girls who will entertain with Irish dances at St. Patrick's Day celebrations in Cleveland Tuesday, end quote. Interest in traditional Irish music was keen enough, circa 1930, to support a weekly Irish radio show. A couple of years ago, in an IAAS newsletter, I passed along the oral tradition that the radio show Echoes of Erin launched in the 1920s on WHK and Cleveland's pioneering radio station WHK did start broadcasting publicly in 1922, with WTAM joining the airwaves a year later. Others followed. However, the show may have hopped radio stations at first, only ending up on WHK. The first newspaper listing I can find for the Echoes of Aaron show is a WTAM listing in 1931. An October 1936 listing placed the show on WJAY, while a December listing the same year placed it on WHK. But 1938 and 1942 listings can be found for WCLE. A 1945 Plain Dealer item listed the show among several that were transferring from WCLE to WHK that year. 
whatever the station, Mary Kay Duffy hosted the show in the 1930s. Duffy was active in the Ladies' Auxiliary of the Ancient Order of Hibernians and the American Association for the Recognition of the Irish Republic. An energetic doer, Duffy organized Irish participation in the Theater of Nations in the early 1930s and spearheaded the Irish Cultural Garden during the same decade. A plain dealer item on December 27, 1936, highlighted Duffy's additional community role, radio host. And I quote, Mary Kay Duffy, Mistress of Ceremonies on the Echoes of Aaron program, presented at 4.45 this afternoon on WHK, greets the new year with a program of Irish melodies and dance tunes. End quote. Singer Dick O'Hearn became a regular. As a notice in March 1937 indicated, and I quote, Dick O'Hearn, tenor, on the Irish program, heard at 5 this afternoon from WJAY, will present an old favorite. Twas only an Irishman's dream. James Giblin and his Irish ensemble will offer lively jigs and reels, and Mary Kay Duffy will be heard as commentator. O'Hearn was a school bandmaster who split his time between John Carroll University, St. Ignatius High School, and Holy Name Parish. O'Hearn must have taken over as MC by the early 1940s, and he continued in that role into the 1950s. The show sometimes included a segment about the Irish language presented by Father Tom Gallagher. Born in Ireland in Ackle Parish, Father Gallagher came to the U.S. as a Christian brother in about 1906 and taught in St. Louis, Chicago, and Minnesota. After studying for the priesthood in Minnesota and serving in Montana, he transferred to the Cleveland Diocese in 1927 and was assigned as an assistant to Holy Name Parish. An aficionado of the Irish language, he also played the fiddle and wrote detective stories under a pseudonym. He was a two-times great-uncle of mine. <laughs> Father Tom Gallagher's nephew, Father Hugh Gallagher, sometimes gave guest lectures as well. Father Hugh was an assistant at St. James in Lakewood during the 1930s and was later founding pastor of St. Monica Parish in Garfield Heights. Whether Mary Kay Duffy was a host or Dick O'Hearn, and whether there were special guests or not, the backbone of the radio show was a group of traditional musicians who played live music on the show under the name The Irish Ensemble. Led at first by fiddler Jimmy Giblin, the ensemble also featured accordion player Johnny McNay and pianist Frank or Francie Keating. The group also played at dances at St. Patrick's on Bridge, at the summer picnics, and at other events. Johnny McNay took over the ensemble's leadership by the mid-1940s. Born near Newport, McNay was an IRA veteran who immigrated to Cleveland in about 1925. He worked for the city of Cleveland in the traffic department, painting lane markers on streets, but music was his true passion. He played a honer button-key accordion. By 1945, the radio show was airing on WHK under the sponsorship of Cannon Tailoring. Irish Civic Association leader William Cannon owned Cannon Tailors, which made the distinctive green uniforms worn by the marching units of the Westside Irish American Club. The show briefly took on the name Cannon Taylor Time. A new fiddler joined the Irish ensemble lineup by 1945 as well. His name was Tom Scott. Though Scott was also a 1920s immigrant, he didn't come to Cleveland until the 1940s. Born in County Sligo, Scott taught himself to play fiddle and learned dancing steps from an itinerant dance instructor. 
He immigrated to New York, working in a foundry during the week and playing music in clubs and at parties on the weekends. Legendary Sligo fiddle player Michael Coleman had immigrated to New York as well, and Scott learned tunes from Michael Coleman. Scott moved to Cleveland in 1942 and worked construction here. The only Irish dancing teacher in Cleveland at the time was Belle Conway, who taught Irish steps along with tap and ballet. Scott decided to teach Irish dancing. He held lessons at Pex Hall and at St. Patrick's on Bridge. Scott's students included his own children, and future dancing teacher Sheila Murphy would come along as well. Tom Scott taught dancing lessons until about 1958, when his daughter Teresa Scott Burke opened her own school. Another daughter, Betty Scott, also had a school. In later episodes, I explore the overall impact of the 1950s wave of Irish immigration in Cleveland, but the 1950s certainly brought a new generation of folks skilled in traditional Irish music and dance. A dancing teacher named Jack Mullally arrived in Cleveland in about 1950, and the step dancing competitions held at the summer picnics began to feature cash prizes. At the 1952 picnic on the grounds of Incarnate Word Academy, the plane dealer promised, and I quote, Miss Teresa Scott will give an exhibition of dancing in this fashion, end quote. In 1956, dancer Kevin Shanahan arrived in Cleveland. He had been a championship dancer in Ireland, and his students here would include future teacher Bobby Masterson. Shanahan lobbied for a more formal competition structure. With assistance from Pat Lynch, Art McChrystal, and the McNeely sisters, Mary, Kathleen, and Maeve, the West Side Irish American Club sponsored the first Cleveland Fesh, or dance competition, on July 27, 1958, at the Cuyahoga County Fairgrounds in Berea, Ohio. The Greater Cleveland Fesh Society was formed to manage the annual competition in 1982. The Gaelic Society, also founded in 1958, offered an outlet for adults who were interested in social or group dancing. The Gaelic Society sponsored dances and a series of dancing teachers, Jack Mullally, John McKenna, Una Ellis, and Sheila Murphy Crawford, held Cayley dance lessons for adults under the club's auspices. Maura O'Leary Manning continues the tradition today. The Westside Irish American Club had fostered another kind of musical tradition since the 1930s. Thomas Hastings Sr. and Martin Patton formed the Westside IA Fife and Drum Corps in 1934, along with Art McChrystal, Pat Lynch, Brian Kilbane, and others. Together, they launched an unbroken, decades-long tradition of teaching young Clevelanders to play fife or drums. When a new wave of immigrants arrived in the 1950s, bagpipe bands began to take off, with the Shamrock Pipe Band leading the way. Most of the Shamrock Pipe Band members were recent arrivals from Ackle Parish, notably Brian Corgan, Steve Malloy, Joe Malloy, and John McFadden. A new generation of traditional musicians also arrived in Cleveland in the 1950s and began to play with the older ones. All had laboring jobs by day, but in different configurations they played at every dance, picnic, or club event. Forming an Irish Musicians Club, they joined forces with the Gaelic Football and Hurling Clubs and the Gaelic Society. Together, the four clubs sponsored an annual St. Patrick's Day dance. A 1979 Smithsonian Folkway recording, Irish Music from Cleveland, Volume 2, included Fiddler Tom Scott and pianist Frank Keating from the Irish Ensemble, 
Playing with them were fiddlers Tom McCaffrey and Frank Barrett, flute player Tom Byrne, and accordion players Johnny Coyne and Pat O'Malley. Along with accordion player Al O'Leary, these musicians shared their knowledge with the next generation coming up, with tin whistle player Tom Hastings Jr., fiddler Francis Quinn, and others. As the 1920s and 1950s immigrants began to pass away, Sean Boland founded Occultus Keltori Aaron Chapter here in 1989 to bolster appreciation for Irish music. Rita Lally and others opened a short-lived school, the Irish Music Academy, in 1990. In the meantime, a couple of 1950s immigrants maintained the weekly Irish radio tradition. Galway-born Mike Comer hosted a show from 1964 to 1986, and Mayo man Jerry Quinn continues the tradition to this day on WHK again. Irish music and dance were nurtured in Cleveland by skilled music, dance, and marching band practitioners. Michael White, Johnny McNay, Dick O'Haran, Tom Scott, and Tom Hastings, to name a few. Knowledgeable promoters such as Mary Kay Duffy helped, along with appreciative amateurs, who enjoyed learning a tune or a dance step. Handed on from generation to generation since the 19th century, these traditions are still flourishing in Cleveland today. Thanks for listening. I'm Margaret Lynch. Have a great day. You've been listening to Finding Home, a podcast series presented by the Irish American Archive Society of Cleveland. Find out more about the Society or get in touch at irisharchives.org.